The MLS playoff race took an interesting turn this weekend as eight teams are in and there are just four spots remaining. This is the SBI Show. I am Garrett Cleverly. With me, as always, is Ivis Gularsep. And how's it going, man? It's going pretty well, Garrett. It's uh, we we we've con- we've gotten through the what is apparent what had to be the worst week in the history of American soccer, um, and now. We'll see if uh, better times are ahead. It's uh, it can't get much worse after uh, Concacaf Cup U twenty threes. Now U seventeens. Feel like everyone's jumping off the deep end now since the U 17s lost. I know it's funny, right? It's that, funny how that, that like, was I, the hey, final nail. Everyone's I said like, it. Like, I, it was funny, right? It's funny because like normally no one would really care about the U seventeen. Not at least not that much. But it was like after the other losses it was like you're our only hope please we need something to look forward to in the future and then they got and they just got dominated uh, in their opening match in nigeria and you're like oh my lord are the are the u15s playing are there any u12s anywhere it was just it, it, it's just i mean i i can definitely see i can definitely see why why us fans are a little are a little going a little crazy right now but you know what man it's, if you've been, if you've been around this long enough you know it it, it goes in cycles i mean there's going to be of course uh, you know, there's not gonna to not to steal Jurgen's lines, but there's gonna be dark days. There's gonna, you know, there's gonna be there's going to be days when there's sunshine, and now there's sunshine. But uh, and there will, one day there will be sunshine. It's just not uh, right now. It's just <laughs> it's the U17s. Everyone, take it easy. And you're losing to Nigeria, who's like a powerhouse at the U17 level. I think they've won like five World Cups in their history. I mean, they always have strong U17 teams. It's one game. Everyone. Easy. I, I, so we're not going to start the show off talking U-17s. We'll talk about that a little later on. Ivis, the playoff race this weekend. I mean, you talk about turns, you talk about twists, and you talk about big moments and no bigger than Portland Timbers and what they did on the road against L.A., putting up five goals. I mean, you're thinking L.A. is going to coast to a victory after Robbie Keane scores the opening goal. And then Portland out of nowhere, five goals, Ivis. I mean, Portland's not into the playoffs, but I mean, you talk about a win that pretty much booked their playoff ticket. I mean, what an incredible result for them against L.A. Hey, man, I've been saying it all along, man. Those, those count out the Portland Timbers. I've been, trying, I've been trying to tell people, even Timbers fans, I think even Timbers fans, had gotten to a point where they were kind of like, you know what, this isn't this isn't going to be the year. This isn't going to. There's not much to look forward to here. But but man, Caleb Porter and his team have turned it around. Uh, they've become road warriors. You know, when you think about the the big road wins that they've had lately, winning in Columbus, winning at RSL, winning in LA. Mm-hmm. I mean, they they only the second team to win all year in LA. Not only did they score five goals, which is already more goals than anyone has scored in LA. Uh, in, the, in fact, only two teams had scored even multiple goals this year. L.A. had allowed two goals twice all year. Not only did Portland score five goals against L.A., they scored five goals in a half. In a half. It was 1-0 at halftime. And, and I think most people saw that and were like, okay, L.A.'s going to finish them off. But credit to the Timbers, man. They, they showed so much life and energy in their attack. Just look, it, it just showed the kind of dynamic ability that, that you know, We've seen glimpses of through the year, but we haven't seen it really click the way it clicked in that game. And everything went right for them, and everything went wrong for LA. Man, the Galaxy defense was atrocious. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and all of a sudden, you can't. You, you look at LA. You're kind of like, mm, you know, they've got one win in six. Are they? Are they? Can we still call them the favorites? And for MLS Cup, everything's wide open now. 
Of course it's wide open. And, you know, you when you go into the playoffs, you're going to want to be a team that does have some momentum going into it. I mean, it's amazing what a couple wins can do for you. I mean, two weeks ago, you're looking at Portland saying, man, can they even make the playoffs? But this run that they've been on, three wins out of four, I mean, if you're a team that may have to match up against them in the playoffs, I mean, you, you may have to pay a little more attention. I mean, Caleb Porter has his team playing really well right now, Ivis. No, no, no doubt about it. And, uh, Again, the point that the fact that they've done so well on the road, I mean, they have, they have, you know, looking it up, they're tied for the most road wins in the league. They're second in the league in points on the road. Only Vancouver has more points on the road than they do. And and interestingly enough, and I, and I wrote about this in, in my piece, my weekly recap for Goal.com, uh, they have uh, they have just as many wins on the road as they do at home. And they're the only team in the league that can say that. Um, and that's that it's a testament to their 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 form on the road but it's also interesting to to note that the timbers at home haven't been as dominating mm-hmm. as you would think given their home field advantage given the atmosphere at, at providence park i mean for me portland has one of the best if not the best atmosphere in the league uh and you know now we'll see if if the, if the timbers get in the playoffs as we we kind of expect at this point uh, they're going to be tough to deal with because even if, if even if they have to go on the road, they've shown on the road that they can win. That's not a problem. But in a two leg series, the fact that they when, being able to win on the road is huge, especially when you get to the to the two leg series when you go, you know you go on the road and it's not going to affect you too much. I think for me, the Timbers quietly looking like a team that could really make some noise in the playoffs. Well, the other team that we're talking about here, LA Galaxy. I mean, they. Look, Ivis, you got to assume it's the Galaxy. I mean, they got veterans on their team. Bruce Arena can get this team and get them ready for one game in the playoffs. This is a team that's been there, done that before. But when you look at their recent struggles, Ivis, over the last uh, couple weeks here, and, and the attack is severely lacking, they have a tough game next week against Sporting Kansas City. I mean, so you don't have an opportunity to maybe correct some things against like Chicago, Colorado. Um, for the Galaxy, I mean, Ivis, they're, they're really struggling right now. I mean, Gerard has come in, he, he's, he's done okay. Keen struggling. I mean, I mean, if you're the Galaxy, I mean, are you really concerned? I was heading into the playoffs. Well, uh, I, I don't know if I'd say concerned. I mean, I think they know they need to play better, and I think Bruce Arena will will kind of remind them of that they're a veteran team. I don't think it's panic mode, but I think they, they I think they understand it. And let's look at looking at the comments after the Portland game. I think it was pretty clear to all of them just how badly they were outplayed. It's it's one thing if you lose a game where you were the better side and, you know, you give up a goal, a fluky goal, and you kind of lose a 1-0 or something like that. They were beaten badly. They were outplayed, outmanned, outmuscled, and, and they and they admitted it. I mean, that, and I think that's good to see that they fully acknowledge that the Timbers totally took them to the woodshed in the second half of that game. And, and the, it, it, it's on in the attack and in the defense. I mean, Omar Gonzalez is not playing well. Omar Gonzalez it has, has long been kind of the – the, the anchor of that defense and the guy who you could kind of count on to be a consistent force in there. He has not been a consistent force in there. And if he's not going to get back to his best, if he's not going to find his form, uh, LA's defense is just not going to be good enough. Uh, once you get into the playoffs and against the better teams, I think their attack there, you know, I, I think their attack will be there. I think their attack uh, is going to find goals. I think once you get to the playoffs, you're going to score their goals. The question is, will their defense be a championship level defense? I don't think, Donovan Ricketts is uh, is necessarily at a point in his career where he's a guy you're gonna ca- who's gonna carry you. I don't think he's a guy who's gonna dominate a game. Um, he, I think he's just kind of serviceable at this point and in goal. So if you don't have that, you don't have a goalkeeper who's gonna necessarily dominate for you. You need a defense that's gonna shut people down. And LA's defense right now does not look like they're shutting anybody down. 
And over in the Eastern Conference, Montreal on the road picked up their second consecutive win, defeating the New England Revolution 1-0. Montreal, Ivis is in the playoffs. New England not in the playoffs, but, I mean, they have to lose by eight goals and Orlando City has to win. I mean, that's pretty much near impossible, even for MLS standards. Regardless, though, Ivis, uh, Montreal picking up a win here, and uh, and they booked their way to the playoffs, man. It wasn't an easy stretch for them, but but they weathered the storm, and they're in the playoffs. Oh, it's a big win for them, obviously, uh, to go on the road in New England uh, and shut out New England. I mean, I think that you have to give Montreal a lot of credit, especially defensively. I know we've talked to people talked a lot about Didier Drogba and what he's done since he's gotten there, and he definitely deserves credit. He's mm-hmm. done amazingly, but their defense has really turned it around under Marbiello. And uh, you know, to go, I think I think I looked it up. Uh, I think it was the first time New England had been shut out since April at home. And, uh, you know, their defense, their attack is pretty dynamic. So to shut them down, shut them out, uh, I think was very, very impressive. And uh, New England has, you know, we can get into New England in a little bit because they're struggling too. But Montreal, when you look at them now, all of a sudden, you know, they've gone from, you know, hey, are they going to, ho- you know, hold on to that last spot in the, in the playoffs to, you know, how far can they, they can they go up in the playoffs? I mean, they're, they're going to face Toronto FC now in, in the last week of the season. If they win that game, I mean, they could jump all the way up to third in uh third in the standings in the eastern conference and uh i think I i'm not sure i mean they could, i guess they could technically catch even dc united uh actually you know what they they, they it, it'd be tough for them to you know what they can't get second because dc united plays columbus the winner of that gets second and if it's a tie dc montreal can't catch dc but montreal can definitely get as high as third and i think they would love that yeah. uh, if you get if you get the third of the fourth seed you're hosting the first uh, the knockout round game uh, Montreal, man, they're going to be a handful. And I know it was funny when I when I made a list back in I don't even remember now, July or early August. I made a list of the teams that could be MLS Cup winners, right? And I did not put Montreal in there. And there was some Montreal fans were kind of like, "Hey, why why did you forget about us? Uh, you know, you know, we got Drogba now. We're going to be there." At the time when I made those picks, I didn't I didn't see Montreal's defense kind of turning that corner. And becoming a, a dominating force, and they've been a dominating force. Mm-hmm. They actually, uh, they, they if I, I don't have it in front of me, but I wrote about it uh, over the weekend. Macho's had five shutouts uh, under Marbiello. I think it's five shutouts in nine matches. They only had four shutouts the entire rest of the year, and and it kind of goes to show just how much danger they are defensively. And and they've done it even without Lawrence Simon for for a lot of those games. Uh, you know, he's a guy who's you know one of the best defenders in the league, and even when he's been out, they've managed to still put a unit together that can uh, hold things down. Goalkeeper Evan Bush has been excellent for them. Even Drogba, defensively, the work rate he puts in, I mean, he's not just kind of a, you know, a, a glory hound up top who, who kind of is lazy uh, defensively. No, he gets back, he presses, he does an excellent job as well. He kind of sets a good example. So, Montreal, man, they're, they are going to be a handful. And that TFC game, the battle for Canada, no offense, Vancouver, but the battle for Eastern Canada uh, that's gonna. I think that's gonna be a great match to watch. This is the, the last week of the season. Well, that's the thing that stands out for me with Montreal. I mean, you look at their schedule from mid-September, Ivis, onward to where they are now. They had games where they had two days rest, three days rest. I mean, not two, three days rest, four days rest. I mean, or they had a week between games on the road against New England, shut them out. And now they're gonna have even more rest for Toronto. I mean, that was a tough stretch, Ivis. That Montreal did a fantastic job in. Now with rest, I mean, that's the thing, man. They're they're. Their point total may not be an accurate reflection on the season that they had. I know they struggled in the summer, but that was due in part because of the Champions League. I mean, Montreal, man, could be. I mean, I just, they're going to be difficult for some teams in the playoffs. No, no question. I mean, they, I would, I wouldn't. I, I'd say they have a shot. They have an outside shot 
to, to, to get through the East. I think they do have a shot. I mean, I, on, to be totally honest, I like them more than I like DC United, even though, yes, I know DC United is kind of woken up now, gotten a couple of results against some bad teams, and all of a sudden it's kind of like, oh, hey, DC United's back. They could end up with a two seed if they if they beat Columbus at the end at the end of the season here. Um, but I mean, honestly, man, I'm looking at DC and I'm looking at Montreal, and I, I mean, I, Montreal scares me more than DC does. Um, you know, it's one thing for DC to beat an NYCFC and beat a Chicago and kind of snap out of the funk that they've been in, but you know, you're talking about different kind of teams that 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 they'll have to beat. You know, I think Montreal uh, toward the stretch uh, down the stretch. I mean, they beat New England twice. They beat DC. They won in DC. Um, well, not in, actually not in DC. Sorry, they they won in they beat DC in Montreal. Um, so I, I don't know, man. We'll see how far they can go. But credit to Marbiello again, interim coach at the time. I didn't I didn't like the move at the time. I thought Frank Kopas didn't get a fair shake to to kind of run the team with Drogba, and and we still don't know how he would have done with Drogba, how he would have performed. But credit to Biello, since he has stepped in, I think he's done an excellent job. Not only getting the defense to kind of play a, a stingier brand of soccer, but also managing minutes. And we've said it on this show multiple times. Um, if he can find a way to balance those minutes, he's going to deserve a lot of credit. And they're going to be a force in the playoffs. And looking at them right now, it really does look like he did a really good job to keep them fresh, to not burn them out, especially with all those games late in the year. I mean, they had the busiest schedule uh, toward the end of the year of anybody, at least in terms of MLS games. So... They're, they're a force, man. We'll see. We'll see in that TFC game now because they win that game. If they beat TFC and if they shut down Javinko, because Javinko, we all know Javinko, and we're going to talk about him in a minute, but he's amazing MVP, most likely MLS MVP. If, if that he's Montreal the defense, MVP, I, I didn't say he was. I just said he was. No one's arguing. Uh, but if Montreal shuts him down and shuts TFC down, that's a, I think that sends a huge message to the rest of the Eastern Conference. Uh, well, a month ago uh, for New England. I have a six-game winning streak. Things are looking pretty good. Going into the playoffs, they've lost three of the last four. The other match was a draw. Uh, their midfield looks like a total mess right now. And this this team right now has no cohesion on the field. They have no chemistry between the players. I mean, they just look like a mess heading into the playoffs right now, Ivis. Yeah, you know, it's interesting there. I don't know what's going on. Um, I don't really get a sense of that Lee Wynn and Jermaine Jones are on the same page. No, I mean, especially gonna... this game. I think it definitely showed that they weren't. Yeah, so I mean, uh, something, something might be going on there. I mean, I think that's something that bears watching, and and it's interesting because hey, last year around this time they were the, they were a team that was rolling, they were on fire, and they rolled all the way to the MLS Cup final, pushing it to extra time uh, in LA. They came that close to winning the whole thing, and right now the last couple of games they just haven't looked themselves. And obviously, two of those losses lately were were to Montreal, uh, and Montreal's playing uh, you know playing well right now. But you know, you lose to you tie Philly. At home, that was that definitely alarm bells there. Then you lose to Chicago three to one. I mean, that's that. I mean, that that's telling you right there something's going on here. Something's up. Uh, and now they have a, you know their last game against NYCFC uh, at Yankee Stadium. I mean, there's no excuses there. You got to win that game. Um, and it's crazy that New England is not even in the playoff. I mean, they're gonna. I mean, barring anything insane, it's what has to happen is is New York NYCFC has to beat New England by four goals. And then Orlando City has to be that camera who they're playing off the top of my head right now, but they have to be whoever they're playing. It's a combination. Of, four it's goals. a combination that has. To, it's a combination that has to make up eight goals. Eight goals. The, which, that's a lot. The, <laughs> right. I mean, I think Orlando could theoretically put up three or four on Philly, but I don't think yeah, it's New Philly. Yes. I, I don't think New England's going to get beat that bad by NYCFC. I just don't think that's going to happen. And also, let's face it, NYCFC's defense 
isn't exactly a defense that's going to stop many people. So I think even if they were able to score on New England, I don't think they're going to blow out New England. So that, that that's that's so hey. But this is crazy though. We're talking about New England barely getting in. <laughs> that you know, just a few weeks ago, they were challenging the Red Bulls. They were the, they were the team that could beat out the Red Bulls for the top spot in the East. And I don't Jay Heaps, man, he has his work cut out for him because they the talent on that team should they they should be doing much better than they've been doing. And uh, when you look at the standings now. Uh, you know they're sixth at, at most. They can they can get up to third now. I mean they can't. They there's no they can't get a top two spot, which is crazy to me. I thought they were kind of a, a good bet at one point, but now uh, I think they're gonna, at this point looking at it now. I mean they, it, it's it's going to be a tough bet for them to even get a home playoff game. I mean even if they win and that'll put they, if they win that puts them on fifty. Um, they won't catch Toronto. They won't catch Toronto and. Uh, I guess in theory they could catch Columbus uh, for for fourth if even if Columbus loses, uh, yeah, it, it's going to be close, man. That's crazy. New England might not have a home playoff game in, uh, in the first round. Uh, that's kind of crazy to me. But hey, work at Alfred J. Heaps, man. I mean, he's shown in the past he's a pretty good coach, so mm-hmm. he needs to sort out that midfield because I think that's the issue there. Jermaine Jones, uh, Lee Wynn, Scott Caldwell. I mean, that group needs Kellen Rowe. Something's up there. They need to figure that out. Yeah, just didn't look good against Montreal. I mean, Montreal just ran fluid throughout the midfield. I'll, I'll say this, Ivis. There is hope if you're Orlando City, though. Remember the time in the 2009 Confederations Cup when the U.S. had to win by three and Brazil had to beat Italy by at least three? It happened, so there is hope for Orlando <laughs> this weekend. Maybe 1%, but there is hope. Well, that's the thing about Orlando. I mean, we'll get into that game now. Orlando City, uh, you know, they did what they had to do. They won their game. They've been, how- they've been on a fantastic run. Right, I mean, they're a team that like they did. It kind of they're playing like a team that wants to be in the playoffs, and and they played really well. And even if they fall short, as it looks like they will, I mean, I think they still have done a lot this year, and I think they've definitely given fans a reason to be optimistic heading in the next year. Uh, we all we don't know what's going to happen in terms of designated players. Are they going to bring new ones in? Is Kaká going to be back? Yeah, they'll uh, have uh, they'll have Ibrahimovic, Ivis. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Balotelli, <laughs> the Balotelli Ibrahimovic forward tandem is going to run wild. Um, <laughs> oh, so then, so then what? Your Kyle Aaron's on the bench? No, four three three. Come on. Ooh. Um, no, but anyway, <laughs> but yeah, look, Orlando. They they they've given fans a lot of reasons to be optimistic, um, and they've come through a lot. I mean, to, to be even be in the race at the end, given the injuries that they've had. I mean, I think that's as I think that's really impressive, and it definitely speaks to to the job. I think Adrian Heath has done a good job in his expansion season, navigating through so much uh, drama, uh, injuries, international call-ups, uh, you know, and, and I think they, they've shown a lot. And I think, I mean, it, when you look at their last home game, they, when they draw, was it 40,000, 42,000, the last game of the season? I mean, I think that is impressive. I think that shows that they're, he- they're, they're healthy as an organization. The fans there are still buying in. And it doesn't hurt that Kyle Aaron is looking unbelievable. Six, at- 16 goals, man. I think he's 17 now. 17? I think he's, a, I think he's 17 goals. 17. Goals. I can't count. We we all know and that. A lot of goals. He has a lot as a rookie. He's got a lot. He shattered shattered the rookie record, which held which stood for like a decade. I mean, Damani Ralph 11 goals that stood forever, and and La- and Laren obliterated it. And uh, you know, he, he he. So it'd be credit to him. Uh, credit to Orlando City. It's kind of a shame. It's kind of a shame. But hey, listen, if you can't finish in the top six, you can't, then you're not going to get in. So. Unfortunately for them, a lot of things went against them. But I think they they're still they can still end on a positive note. If they beat Philly, 
that'll put them on 13 wins, which I think could be the record for a franchise team. I mean, uh, an expansion team. Uh, and it sends, it sets them off, I think, into the offseason with some momentum. Also, for Orlando, I know this is a small little prize, but it also means this victory means that they will finish above New York City FC the first year. Well, I think they, were, I think they had already well, locked that. This was official. I mean, if New York City won well, this, won the final game, but it's official now. Oh, yeah. Right. Orlando will finish on top of it. I know it's a little thing, but... You know, for, that's that's a nice little thing to have. Yeah, no, I think it definitely means something. I mean, I, I think if you look at the star power that New York City has and and the money they've spent, I think most would have expected NYC to finish with with a better record or, or at least close to the same record. You're looking at it right now. Orlando has a seven point gap on them, and that could push that could extend all the way up to, to ten points. Uh, if Orlando beats Philly and if NYC loses New England and, and NYCFC has its own set of problems, but, uh, but no credit to Orlando, man. I think they've had a good year. And staying in the Eastern conference, Columbus on the road picks up a huge victory. Ivis shutting out Toronto two to zero. They also book their ticket to the playoffs and uh, look for Columbus. I mean, what, there's not much more to say. I mean, going into Toronto, shutting down Sebastian Jovinko, uh, shutting down the rest of Toronto FC. I mean, that is an incredible result for Columbus this past weekend. Yeah, it was definitely a little surprising. I mean, I like Columbus a lot as a team, but to go in, into Toronto, shut them out, uh, I was a little surprised by that, I got to say. Uh, and you wonder, was there a little bit of a hangover from Toronto for finally getting into the playoffs and, oh. and, and maybe from an emotional standpoint, just kind of having that weight lifted off their shoulders? No way. Uh, you know they were partying, Ivis. Come on. Uh, well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, that's, they were, they that, were that's celebrating. It. I mean, come on. That, 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 we should have been up there. That, that's that's We should have gone up there. You know what, though? Here's my thing. Like, if you're Toronto and you're spending the money that they're spending to, to have the roster that they have, Javinko, Michael Bradley, Josie Altador, like, getting into the playoffs is not something you should really be going crazy about. I know. <laughs> Little things, man. Come on. No, no. But listen, I, I get it. Toronto fans, absolutely. Toronto fans. You deserve to celebrate. It's been a long time coming. It's been a long wait. So I'm not saying TFC fans shouldn't be happy about it. They should absolutely uh, enjoy and appreciate that weight lift, being lifted off their, their shoulders. But as far as the players go, like, listen, guys, you are you should be one of the best teams in the league with the talent on that roster. Um, and I think that's a, tough, that's a big loss for them. I mean, it, it kind of took away the momentum for them to get shut out at home by Columbus because, I mean, at that point, before this game, they had a real good four po- match winning streak, right? Not only that, but if they win that game, I mean, it's a whole different ball game. You look, you're sitting in second place in the East, uh, with control of your own destiny to finish second in the East. Now all of a sudden you fall, you lose that game, and now you're playing Montreal. You could lose to Montreal. You could far as you could fall as far as sixth. You could be the sixth seed again. I don't think anybody wants to be the sixth seed because then you know you, you have to win a road game, and then you have to probably then you have to play the Red Bulls if you win. And, and and the Red Bulls, I mean, they're playing really well. I don't think TFC. I know that I know TFC just beat the Red Bulls in Toronto, but I think we also need to remember when the Red, when the TFC went to the Red Bull Arena, and and they were thoroughly dominated. So I, I you know, I don't know, man. I think TFC might have missed an, a, an opportunity here to really set themselves up for a deep run. I mean, they still they still could make that run because they have Javinko and he's playing out of his mind. But I think it has to be a little disappointing. If you're if you're Greg Vanny to see your team kind of lay an egg after such an emotional victory against the Red Bulls during the week, small victories, Ivis man, come on, just back off on Toronto. They're in the playoffs. <laughs> Let them be. They're doing fine. Leave them alone. 
Nah, I don't know, man. I don't, I don't, I don't know I, what your I, problem I, look, is. Why are you hating on Toronto? It's not hating. It's fact, man. They lay, they laid an egg. I know they, they did, really but they're in the playoffs. You know the... It's not enough to get in. Man. It's not <laughs> enough to get in. Wait, look. Credit to Columbus. Not taking anything away. The crew, I like the crew. I think they're a team that, you know, has kind of – they've been a bit overlooked. I mean, I think mm-hmm. I don't think people have really talked about them. I think the Red Bulls have gotten a lot of uh, hype through the year. I think the Rev Revolution, when they were near the top, was getting a lot of hype. But I don't think the crew have been talked about all that much. But they're a team that, I mean, I think they're gonna, they're they're a handful, man. And I think for me, if you're asking me, DC and DC Columbus who's gonna win that game, I think Columbus is gonna win that game, and I think they'll be the number two seed. And if they're the number two seed, I think they're in pretty good position to get to that conference final against the Red Bulls. And just the crew with the way they're playing right yeah, now, man. they're playing really well. It's gonna be tough though, because Kai Kamara is suspended uh, for the last game against DC, yellow card accumulation, so he can't add to his. MLS leading goal total, um, but still, I mean, if anything, That's you know fine. what? They got Ethan Finley. He'll just take over uh, scoring responsibility. <laughs> uh, he'll dude, cross he, the dude, the season. First off, the season that he's had, that he scored in this game. So now he has ten goals in the season, thirteen assists. I mean, dude, whew. Yeah, January yeah, camp. January camp. That phone is hot. Oh, that phone no, is hot. Absolutely, he better be there in January. I think that's a given. I think if he's not there in January. <laughs> Something's up. You, could you and fire? Could you fire Jurgen for that offense? I think you could. For that, you could. <laughs> well, here's that, the thing. I think, I, I, I think he'll be there in January only because you don't get banished by Klinsman until he actually sees you. And, <laughs> That's true. And then he doesn't like you. See, he hasn't actually had Finley in yet. He has to bring Finley in. Yeah, yet but, to, yeah, but why wouldn't they cross paths though? They could bring him in and say, "Iris, they could have crossed paths somewhere, and either Finley could have said something. We don't know." He has to make it into a camp. All these other guys, Phil Haber, Lehigh. Uh, these guys have have been in a camp before, and 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 Klinsman has decided I don't like you. You will never come back. So I, I don't think Finley has gotten there. I think Finley will be there in January. And shifting over to the Western Conference, San Jose at home picks up a massive victory, defeating Sporting Kansas City one to zero. For San Jose, that's great. Three points. Things are looking good. You may be making a playoff push. Unfortunately for them, I miss every single team around them also picked up points. This weekend, especially Portland with that victory. Um, but San Jose taking care of business, man. They've been on a very nice run. And, I mean, dude, Ivis, this win over Sporting Kansas City, a huge, huge result for San Jose. No, i got to say, I was impressed, man. I thought they played well. I thought Kansas City, uh, you know, you, you, you figure you give Kansas City the edge for them going head-to-head. But San Jose really really took it to them uh, at home. And, and they've done what they can do, you know. I mean, they're not in a playoff position right now. And, and – they're going to need somebody to stumble, and they're going to need their last to win their last game, which is not going to be easy. Nope. They played FC Dallas of all teams, the the number one seed in the West. But credit again, once again, credit to Domkin here, man, because I think he's just done an excellent job with that team. And when you think about, I mean, they've added a few small pieces, but they haven't really added any huge pieces from the team that last year had such a bad record. Now he's propelled them, and he kind of is slowly changing the. The mentality over there, and I think it's great to see them competing. And and this game showed. I mean, they they're a tough team to deal with, to play against. That that's the best thing you could say about them. Are they a team that necessarily is like super dynamic and is knocking the ball around and and, and playing you know amazing soccer? No, but they're very tough to, to play against. I mean, they uh, they're physical. They they're relentless, and at home especially, I think they, they you know they've proven to be a, a tough team team to play against. But you know, uh, it might be a little too, a little bit too, too little, too late. Um, but they're right; they put that they put themselves in a good position because if they met, if they find a way to beat FC Dallas, mm-hmm. which won't be easy, especially on the road to to beat FC Dallas. But if they do it, 
I mean, Dom Kinnear better start getting some. If he if they make the playoffs, Dom Kinnear deserves to be on the short list for rookie uh, for coach of the year, in my opinion, just because to take the team that he took over and get them into the playoffs in the tough Western Conference, I'm sorry, he deserves to be on that ballot. They have a chance, man. I mean, San Jose has a legit chance to find a way into the playoffs. Seattle Sounders is playing Real Salt Lake. I know Real Salt Lake is out, but still upsets can happen. Sporting Kansas City, they have two games. They have Colorado midweek, and then they have the Galaxy. And I was, you know the Galaxy in that game, I mean, they don't want to lose points. Galaxy don't want to drop down from second, where they currently are, to third, fourth, or fifth, possibly. I mean, Galaxy are going to come out. So San Jose's... San Jose well, look, has a much better chance than Orlando City. <laughs> well, that's true. That's true. But it's still pretty tough because you, to win to win at, in Dallas, I mean, that's not going to be easy. I mean, Dallas has one of the better uh, road records in the league. I mean, they, I mean, home records in the league. Dallas is 12-2-2. Two two. Uh, they've only lost twice all year on the, uh, at home. And San Jose's road record isn't exactly great. I mean, they're, they, they, they've lost. They're 5-9-2 in the road. So it doesn't, it doesn't look good. But it's it's still the fact that they're still alive is going to make things interesting on that last day. Well, speaking of FC Dallas at home, they defeated Real Salt Lake one to zero. And obviously, as you mentioned before, man, FC Dallas is on a roll. They picked up uh, three three wins, excuse me, in the last four matches. Mauro Diaz has been an absolute terror in these last four games, scoring two goals, three assists. I mean, Ivis Dallas out of nowhere could steal the Sporting Shield away from the New York Red Bulls and heading to the playoffs. I mean, Dallas just looks really dangerous right now. They're playing well, man. There's no, there's no question about it. I'm not gonna, tr- I'm not try, I'm trying not, I'm not gonna rain on their parade uh, because they deserve accolades, man. They, they deserve credit. They, they become a tough team to play against, uh, and to be as young as they are, uh, they've really shown some, some, some good. Uh, some toughness. They've shown some toughness. I mean, they're not a, there's not, they're not a soft, flashy team. And I mean, I think that's a credit to Oscar Pereja that he, he's put together a, a good combination of, of players there that that has a little bit more of an edge to it than than maybe past past versions of this of this team. Um, no, but then we have to look at this winning streak, this unbeaten streak they've had lately. They've won three. They're three zero and one in the last four. Uh, the, those games against Vancouver, Vancouver is just in free fall right now. You have to say it. Right? Vancouver, uh, they've gone five without a win. They have one win in seven, and 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 you know they, they, the wheels have come off there. So if you look at that, and then you know they they crushed Houston, uh, and now they beat RSL in a game that look RSL had had more of the ball. RSL had uh, the chances in the first half that they needed to put away. So it wasn't a pretty game. But you know what? If you, you, you good teams find a way to win, even when they don't necessarily play well. And I think that, for me, that is more impressive even than, say, when they blew out the Dynamo at home. I think going on the road, winning a tough game, it shows a team that, you know what, they can play these tough games. They can win these tough games. Uh, and and so right now, man, they, they're they looking pretty good. Are they a team that's scaring people? I wouldn't. I don't know if I'd go that far. I still don't think they're a team that you look at and you say, you know what, we play them in the playoffs, we're in trouble. I don't think I, – I, I still don't think they've, they've – they've, they're striking fear in anybody. But I think they are, they at this point deserve respect because you know what if you finish with the best record in the Western Conference, the stacked Western Conference, you mm-hmm. deserve respect. And uh, for me right now, I know I know the pot, and I, I I know I said it myself a week ago, uh, and now it's become the popular thing now where hey whoever wins Supporter Shield the coach should be coach of the year right I think that's kind of become I've heard a few, a few now I've heard a few different people say that. Uh, but for me, you know what? N- n- nothing against uh, Jesse Marsh because he's done a great job with the Red Bulls, an uh, excellent job with the Red Bulls. For me, Oscar Pereira is your coach of the year. And I'll tell you why. Because 
he has done it with a young team without without the, you know the big money spending without the superstar with, with, they might even have the lowest salary in the league right now to finish first in the western conference that is i mean i'm sorry man who would have thought who would have put dallas win, winning the western conference who who saw that coming as young a team as they have I'm sorry. They like the Red Bulls. When you look at it, you could say, okay, look, they added Sasha Kleshton, they added Felipe, they still have Bradley Wright Phillips. You know what? They they should they should be up there in the East, and the East is not nearly as tough as the West. I don't think anyone had FC Dallas finishing first in the West. Nobody. I don't. Maybe people in Dallas. No, you had so, Dallas as a fourth, fifth, or sixth team. Exactly. So I think for me, even if Dallas doesn't win the Supporter Shield. Even if the Red Bulls hold on, and the Red Bulls should hold on. I mean, they're going to Chicago. I know they lost to Chicago a few months back, but let's face it. I mean, it's a whole different circumstance now. They should win in Chicago, and if they win, they, then they're going to be the Supporter Shield's winners. But win or lose the Supporter Shield, Oscar Pereja, for my money, is the coach of the year. Is he going to win it? I don't know. I think, you know, obviously the big market and Jesse March is going to is going to get a lot, of, a lot of hype because of what he did. And he deserves credit because, you know, he went into a really tough situation there. With Mike Pecky getting let go, and he was so popular, Terry Henry retiring, it was not an easy situation for him to get in. But that, I'm sorry, but for me, FC Dallas finishing first in that conference with that young team, I'm sorry, that's the that is to me the most impressive coaching job of the year. Well, speaking of the Red Bulls, I mean they'll be hoping that FC Dallas loses this weekend. Uh, but Red Bull, this pa- Red Bulls, excuse me, this past weekend uh, defeated Philadelphia four to one. Philadelphia, <laughs> the last two games since losing the Open Cup. I mean, clearly, I was they got nothing to play for. They've been outscored seven to two. New York seven seconds in scores the fastest goal in history. They're all over Philadelphia. Philadelphia got a goal late at the very end of the match, but uh, New York took care of business this weekend and like they should by thoroughly defeating Philadelphia. Yeah, I mean, I, I think most people saw this coming. I think I think it was easy to kind of predict Philly has nothing to play for. The Red Bulls have, have a lot to play for still. And they just smashed them. And uh, I know some people are going to come out of the woodwork and say, Oh, look at Philly. They gotten blown out the last two weeks. Uh, time to change the coach. I don't know if I go that far, man. I, I don't, I don't know if these games at the end of this year should necessarily be what, what put, puts it over the edge no. on Jim Curtin or not. I think Jim Curtin should still be, be the guy coming in the next year. I want to see who they hired to replace next to Kevich and kind of steer, steer, spearhead that that organization because that organization needs some leadership it needs some leadership there um and we'll see what they do on that front but as far as jim Curtin, though i think i don't think i don't think these results at the end of the year should should say anything uh to the job that i think he's done under some really tough circumstances there as far as the red bulls go i mean they're 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 it man they're rolling mike grella how about mike grella man talk about one of the best signings of the offseason i'm a guy who you know picked up off the scrap heap not much was expected of him, and he has been—he's uh, been excellent. He's been excellent for them. Uh, and we're talking about a guy who, you know, other teams maybe passed on, other teams overlooked a bit. And now I think I, I got to think some of those teams are kind of kicking themselves because we're seeing a player who's been a big key for the Red Bulls, a guy who I—I'll I, even I'll confess, I'll admit it, I didn't think he was keeping a starting job. I thought he was keeping that job warm for somebody else. You know, when we're back when we're in April, early May. I was looking at that position and saying they need to upgrade that. I mean, is Mike Rella going to keep that up? I don't think so. But guess what? He's kept it up, and he's done really well for them. He's he's kept some bigger name players on the bench there: Gonzalo Verón, the designated player, Sean Wright Phillips. We all know about his reputation. And those guys haven't been able to knock Rella out of that starting spot. And 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 another big game for him. Now he's in the MLS record book: seven second goal, unbelievable. Knocks out 
Tim Cahill uh, out of the record books. And and, and you got to is it Christian Maidana? You got to give Christian Maidana a little. You got to get put a little side note that he gets the assist on that since he gave the ball right to Grella. But excellent win, big win for for the Red Bulls. But now we'll see if they can take care of business when they go to Chicago. That goal was so fast, I, dude. I almost feel like it'd be every time someone scores a fast goal, I'm like, there's no way someone could do it. I mean, seven seconds. I it was so. I don't think anyone overpassed that. It was so fast. <laughs> that's funny. Well, yeah, it's funny. I actually didn't go to. The, I didn't make it to the Red Bulls game this weekend because I had some family issues, some family stuff to, to deal with. But it's funny. If I had gone to the game, I probably would have missed that goal because you know uh, every other. Because you're late. You're late for everything. I'm fashionably late. To, to always, stuff. No, you are always late. I'm not always. I'm late. I'm late. I'm. I'm. You know, fashion, fashionably late. So I probably would have missed that goal. But so now at least you know what I didn't go anyway. So I didn't. I didn't really miss it. So I miss. I'm going to let you know that seats are open right now on the D.C. United bandwagon. Things are starting to look good. They've won two games in a row. They defeated Chicago this weekend. If you want to jump on the bandwagon, you can jump on, Ibis. <laughs> no, I'm not. And uh, I'll tell you why. Because guess what? They are beating teams they're supposed to be. They're be- NYCFC is is nothing. They, 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 they've, they, they just didn't get it done. They beat them, right? And now they've crushed Chicago. Chicago Fire, you know. All right, here's a question for you. You'll, you'll appreciate this. They so they smoked the fire at home at RFK Stadium. What do you think Chicago Fire's record is on the road this year? Chicago, off the top of my head, don't look it up. I'm don't not look looking. Up. They've won two games on the road. Zero. Zero. They, wow. They have won zero games on the road this year. Unbelievable stat there. Oh. 12 and 5. How do you go an entire season? They they will now I mean they are they 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 played their 17 road games. They have not won a single game on the road this year. So sorry DC fans, that for me tells me like, you know what? I'm not going to put a lot of stock into that match. What I will say is these are some good confidence bu- confidence builders for a club that needed some confidence boosting after the way the the second half of the season's gone for them. So could that help them? Possibly, but you know what? Again, I'm not. When you stack them up against the bet, the better teams, I don't see it. I don't see it, man. When you look at, I mean, let's let's just go back. I mean, even through the year, uh, in terms of their victories this year, I'm looking at their wins. They have three wins, four wins, uh, four wins, five wins. So that six. Oh, much, and they beat Montreal when Montreal was not good. They have six wins against playoff, quote unquote, playoff teams this year, and and ha- I think half of those were against Montreal before Montreal got got uh, had Drogba. So they're not a team I'm going to bet against. I mean, I'm not going to bet on DC against any of the good teams in the playoffs. So uh, maybe they'll prove me wrong. I mean, it's possible, but I, I just this Columbus game is going to tell me something. If they beat Columbus in the last game of the season, even without Kamara, I don't. You know what? It's fine. Kamara's out. They still have a lot there. They still have. Ethan Finley, Iguain, Justin Merrim, Will Trapp, Tony Chanji. They they are still a very good team. If DC United can go to Columbus and win on the last week of the season, that tells me they're heading in a good direction. That will that will make me a bit more of a believer than I am right now. Because for right now, I'm not ready to get on that bandwagon. The final game of the weekend, Seattle, Houston played to a 1-1 draw. And if you're Seattle, this is your third draw in a row. Um, I mean, any combination of a win in these last three games would have at least booked Seattle's ticket into the playoffs. Um, so, look, if you're Seattle, man, I mean, this is just a, a missed opportunity against Houston. Seattle does not look good. 
I thought, you know, when they, when they, when they made the moves that they made, uh, I thought they were going to start turning things around. And, and I don't know, man. I know it's funny because you look at at their their record right now, and they, they're unbeaten in six. Now, you hear that, unbeaten in six, then that sounds like they're on a roll. They're on a roll heading in. But no, man, they've only won one of their last five, and they just have looked a bit flat. They've looked flat. And this was the game that I wanted to see them kind of flex their muscle. This was the game. Because even before that, you go, okay, L.A., going 1-1 against L.A., L.A.'s tough. Going 1-1 against Kansas City, uh, you know, that that one that one for me was a little bit of a head-scratcher because we all know Sporting Kansas City rested their, their main guys in that game. So Seattle only manages a draw against basically Sporting Kansas City's B team. So that, that kind of should have raised some red flags for them. Um, but now this Houston game, you got to win that game. If you're if you're a playoff, if you're an MLS Cup favorite slash top contender, you need to beat Houston. You need you just do. And they didn't look interested at all, man. Their attack looked flat. The first half was atrocious. I mean, oh my lord, the first half of that game was un like you know it's a bad game when you're watching this game and you're like, man, I can't wait for halftime so I can switch to the uh, the uh, Mexico Argentina U17 game. Because I was like, this that that game's gonna have to have more more entertainment value than that Houston game. Man, throwing shade, Ivis. It, it's fact. Serious I'm, I'm sure shade. Se- I'm sure Seattle fans would agree. But Clint Dempsey, man, what is up with Clint Dempsey? He he, something's up. Something's up there, man. He 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 looks burnt out. Uh, I know Concacaf Cup final. I said, you know what? I think he's sick. But what is this? This is not. This is just how he's been now. And it can it, it and is it an injury? Can it be an injury? Can he just be kind of laboring through a hamstring and playing at sixty percent or or what? Or has father time caught up to this guy? Like, I don't know, man. And it, and, I, and I I'm worried, man. I'm worried because hey, I, I like seeing Dem, I like seeing Clint Dempsey at his best. Uh, national team, Seattle, whoever he's playing for, he's fun to watch. He's been a big time player so many for, for so long, but he just has not looked the part lately. And Seattle, I'll tell you what, for all you know, they have. For all the players they have, Obafemi Martins, Oswaldo Alonso, the new pieces that they've added, uh, if he is, if he's not the the Clint Dempsey of old, if he's gonna just be this kind of uh, <laughs> Clint Dempsey without Direct TV, this is just kind of like what he is. Like you know, like those commercials. You know, it's like uh, that that that. It's, it's, it's Peyton Manning and uh, Rob Lowe. Yeah, that, yeah. If Clint Dempsey has gone down that road and he's just now, uh, you know. Clint Dempsey without Direct TV, it's not good for Seattle. They are not winning anything. They are not winning MLS Cup. They might not even win a playoff series. They need Clint Dempsey to snap out of it because without him, they're not winning anything. Well, you know what I'm looking forward to, Ivis? So we got one more week, and then next week when all the teams are in the playoffs, everything's set, you and I can go back and look at our early you know, our predictions for the season. Mm-hmm. I don't want to talk trash, but I definitely think I got more than, than you this year. I don't know about that. You didn't even have the Red Bulls in the playoffs, so right there, L, L for you. I don't. Did, <laughs> so, did I do that? I thought that. I, was thought, <laughs> I thought you did that. I know. Please. I, I. I mean, I didn't have them one. I don't think anyone had had them finished first. I had them like fifth. Um. So I'm feeling pretty good. I'm feeling pretty good about my picks. I got to say. I, I mean, we think that maybe I got two wrong in the. <laughs> we're gonna have to go back. We're gonna have to go back. Yeah, and uh, I don't think I had Montreal getting in. I think Philly maybe. I think I only got one at this at this rate. I think I only have one team in the East that didn't get in. I think it might be Philly uh, or Orlando. I might have had Orlando getting in. And look, look, they got pretty damn close. So who had Drogba signing with Montreal? If Montreal doesn't sign Drogba, no, 
Orlando's in the playoffs. I, I mean, that's, I mean, look at when you look at it, they're in the playoffs, and so uh, it's unfortunate for Orlando, right? But you know what? Credit to Montreal, man. They made it happen. They made they they jumped in on the Chicago Fire's deal, and they just snatched it away. And 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 MLS was kind of like, eh, sorry guys, <laughs> he's going to Montreal now. And Ivis, for all the bad news that we've had talking about the U.S. men's national team, we finally have some good news. That has come in the form of reports saying that the Copa America, which will be played next year in America, will go on. There was discussion whether or not FIFA will clear it, people coming to America getting arrested. There was, there was a lot of things going on behind the doors. But as of right now, Ivis, reports are saying that it will go on. So that's good news. I guess the bad news is we get to look forward to the U.S. getting pounded by uh, by South America teams. So I mean, you know, take it with a grain of salt. I guess it's it's funny. It's funny how how different the, the mood is about that tournament now. If you're a U.S. fan, because <laughs> so long it was like, yes, this game, this tournament's coming here. Yes, we're gonna have Neymar, uh, Messi, uh, you know, Luis Suarez, all that, all these. It's gonna be amazing. Uh, and now it's kind of like, oh God, the South Americans are gonna come whoop our asses in this tournament. Uh, no, but kidding aside, uh, I do think it's kind of convenient how, you know, the U.S. loses a huge game to Mexico in the CONCACAF Cup. Things are going just completely terribly wrong. And then voila! Hey, folks! <laughs> the, the, the Copa America is back on. Everybody celebrate. I think that's I think that's, that's interesting. But hey, no, that's great news, man. It's great news for soccer in America that this tournament goes on. And I know there's obviously all the controversy with all the corruption, uh, alleged corruption and all that stuff going on. And you're kind of like, this tournament's not going to happen. But if it happens and it looks like it's happening, this is great, man. Having high-level soccer mm-hmm. around the country uh, and also the U.S. national team. Um, ha- 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 <laughs> having that having that in go on, it's just great. It's great for the sport. It's great for fans in this country that they'll be able to watch the, some of the world's best players play. I think it's going to be amazing, and and you know what? It should be noted. We, it's there's a year is a year now between uh, now and that tournament. Uh, plenty of time for the U.S. to get their act together. I don't know about that. I can already sense it now, Ivis. The group for the U.S. will be Brazil, like Ecuador, and like Panama. It'll be something like that. It'll be the hardest group possible. How was that the hardest? That they would. Take I'm trying that to be fair. Hard. I mean, you can't have like Argentina and Brazil like, in the same list. group. It, the U.S. would take that that group in a heartbeat. You know, they would take that group. In a heartbeat. They would take that group in a heartbeat. We'll see. There's much tougher draws than that. So, and it's, it's totally fair. No, yeah, I know. I know. I thought you were going to say something crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They'll have Argentina, uh, Brazil, and Mexico. <laughs> no, well, I mean, they're obviously going to. I'm sure they're going to seed it. I'm sure it's going to be like USA and Mexico will be seeded into groups, and uh, and then like Chile. And Argentina. So, yeah, you. I mean, I think you could get Brazil. I think and that's the thing. South America, you have Chile, who are the champs. You have Argentina, Brazil, Colombia. So you have four right there, four power, four powers, right? I'm not even going to say Peru, even though I could say Peru. <laughs> but so that's six teams. You have the four powers from South America. Then you have U.S. and Mexico. If it's a four, if it's a 16 team group, um, and I, I think I, I, I think that's the format. I think it's four groups of four. You're going to have two groups that have um, multiple South American teams in it, right? Um, or multiple tough South American teams in it. I think. I think it's possible. So uh, if, if that's how they do it, then it's going to be tough, man. It's going to be tough for the U.S. Um, to get out of a group if they end up in a group with, say, Colombia and Brazil or Colombia uh, 
basically, it's it's gonna be tough, man. The way they're playing right now, I wouldn't bet bet on them. But I would take the group you said. I would take that group. Nothing against Ecuador because Ecuador just had a big win in in World Cup qualifying. But I would take Brazil, Ecuador, Panama in a heartbeat. Well, I guess that uh, that concludes the uh, the end of the. Uh the good news to talk about for the U.S. Time to talk about bad news. We didn't talk about this because we didn't have a show last week. Apologies for that. Uh, but the U.S. in New York lost to Costa Rica 1-0 to in a game where the U.S. looked entirely flat, had no energy, looked like they didn't want to be there. Um, Ivis, when it rains, it pours. <laughs> yeah, funny using that. Yeah, I thought Klinsman you used all of the rain metaphors, all of the rain and sunshine metaphors ever made <laughs> after this game. Uh, and, and here's my thing, right? And I, I, I'm fully on board with the with, with kind of the, the talk now that hey, things are going really bad right now. The U.S. is in a bad is in bad shape right now. But I don't know if anyone. I, I feel like people put a lot of stock into this game after it was over. A lot of people like it's. It's like I totally got panicking after the Mexico win just because how bad the U.S. looked and how great Mexico looked and 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 the fact that it's a big loss to them on that stage. So I got that panic mode. I got the panic after that game. But the panic after this game was a little kind of like, eh, like settle down. You know, it's a friendly uh, you're you're playing after such an emotional game. You're not you're playing without, mo- you know, most of your top veterans. Um like it, this game was always kind of a throwaway game, and I mean, we said it when it was announced. It's like this game is either going to be a party or it's going to be a funeral, and it turned out, yeah, it was an absolute funeral. Uh, it was actually more of a party for Costa Rica. I mean, I was at the game, and there were definitely if, if there were more Costa Ricans there, there were more Costa Rica fans at Rebel Arena than there were U.S. fans, and uh, which and and for me, I can't blame U.S. fans because you really want to go to that game after after that big loss. And knowing that, you know what, this U.S. team is going to be a patchwork team, an experimental side. Uh, I mean, it's great that Tim Howard's back, so, you know, you, you get a chance to see him play. But uh, I don't know, man. It, 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 it was Costa Rica's A team. Let's put that out there first. I mean, I know Brian Ruiz is injured, so they're missing him. Uh, Gio Gonzalez, their, their top defender, he was out. But it's that that is the team that's going to play in qualifying for them for the most part. And they look good, man. Costa Rica's a good team. It's easy to forget, right? We're talking about a team that finished – uh, got to the quarters of the World Cup. They they have a talented team, and they looked it. They look like a team that has it together, that has played together, has rhythm. They understand each other. Uh, basically, everything that the U.S. wasn't right. The U.S. looked like a patchwork group. No one knew looked like they knew what they were doing. Um, it was kind of all thrown together. Uh, Jermaine Jones in the playmaking role, and it's like, come on, like the guy just played like 199 minutes in the in the, in the Concacaf Cup. You're gonna throw him out there for a half playing play as a playmaker like that. Uh, you know, I joked about it on Twitter where where you could see Klinsman going, "Uh, oh, Jermaine, I need you to start in this game." And then Jermaine's kind of like, "Dude, I just played 300 minutes." And then <laughs> and Klins- and Klins- Klinsman's like, "Yeah, but you can be our playmaker." And then Jermaine's like, "Sign me up, right?" <laughs> I mean, I, I totally get that, but it, it did not look good. There was nothing to nothing. There was nothing to be optimistic about in this game, other than maybe the fact that Tim Howard's back. He looked good. He should be the guy for me, for my money, and I think most people are agreeing at this point. He should be the number one. I know Klinsman was kind of on the fence about that. He says he's going to rotate them, uh, Howard and Guzan. No offense to Brad Guzan, very good goalkeeper, but Howard is just better. Howard's your guy. Make him your guy, and I think I think he will be the guy when qualifying comes around. Oh, and I think so too. I, I found the whole situation weird with with Jurgen saying that Guzan was the starter. I mean, it's, you got to keep open competition. I mean, even between those two guys, but 
when you look at this Costa Rica game, Ivis, look, I didn't expect the U.S. to go out and put up, you know, 3-0 spot or anything like that. But I guess the thing is, when you look at this game and, and you look at the players that you say, you know, when Michael Bradley's out, uh, you know, Kyle Beckerman, Jermaine Jones are getting older, you're going to need some of these younger guys to step up. And, and we had an opportunity to see extended minutes out of some of these guys like we always do. Mix Discrude, Danny Williams, Breck Shea. I mean, Lee Wynn wasn't out there for too long. But when you just look at the, kind of the, the core group of midfielders, it's just so disappointing. And, and these guys, they, they do show potential on the weekends when they're playing in Major League Soccer. But overall, I mean, these guys are just so ineffective for the national team. And I mean, and that just further shows that the problem of this team is that when you're starters who are getting old or out of the game, you bring in these bench players. And yes, I know it was an A-side Costa Rica, but I mean, come on, I was, I mean, you, you want to expect a little bit more out of these guys. You don't want to look like they're just a wet blanket getting pushed around on the field. No, no question. There's guys that needed to play better. And needed to make uh, better, take take more advantage of the opportunity. I mean, for me, Danny Williams stands out in that regard. I mean, here's the guy who, you know, you, you look at how he's doing at Reading. He's doing really well there. He's at an age where he should be the guy to step in now if Kyle Beckerman and Jermaine Jones are ready to, you know, be put out to pasture. And he just didn't look the part at all, man. I mean, Costa Rica, to their credit, I mean, they have a very good midfield. Soso Borges is a guy who I've, I've been a fan of for a long time. I think if MLS ever gets him to come to MLS, I think he could be excellent in MLS. But Williams just he, – he was outplayed, and he just did not look good uh, in, in terms of being a first step for him to show that he should eventually be a starter. Now, having said that, I do think that that U.S. group missed some leadership. It missed some uh, somebody to rally around, and, and the thing is the veterans that were there, they were, they, they had, they were checked out, man. Think about it. If you, if you got – you got uh, Jermaine Jones, uh, Josie Altador. They're they're there. Josie Altador wore the ca- captain's armband. You know those guys. Their heads are still in Pasadena. Their heads are still in that game. And if if you're if the handful of leaders that uh, you know veteran leaders that you have were, are not into the game, uh, I think it I think it carried over. And I I know some people looked at Klinsman's comments about the hang the Concacaf Cup hangover and we're kind of looking at it like oh that's an excuse it's excuse making but it's fact man you lose a huge game like that it's going to linger especially with the guys who played big roles in that game and i think that carried over to the younger guys cuz the younger guys you know they go into this game they're playing a tough opponent they're looking to take their cues from the veterans and the veterans were kind of out to lunch so i think that's where it was all a little rudderless it was all a little this game was the whole anywhere for first of all we should say this folks i know a lot of people want him fired i know there's a lot of talking i'm da- I'm, I'm i'm fine with that if he's fired tomorrow i'm on board with that but he's not going to be fired so if he's not going to be fired fine let's start looking at what's next who are the next guys who does he need to call in ethan finley sebastian get donate nagby uh i know people still say benny Philhaber, matt hedges whoever he needs to start looking at some new faces get some new blood in here because as it stands right now, the, the the pool is stagnant. The pool is stagnant. You can't keep relying on these older guys. You need to stop calling these guys in. Even though they're your best guys, still, Demarcus Beasley, Kyle Breckerman, Jermaine Jones, it's time to move on because they're 33 years old. They're, like, they're not kids anymore. You, it, it, second round of World Cup qualifying needs to be the cycle, needs to be the phase where you can start bringing in some fresh faces. And it needs to happen. And it needs to happen ASAP. And if there wasn't enough bad news to talk about just with these two losses against Mexico and Costa Rica, there was a little bit of a, of a he said, she said this week with Jurgen Klinsmann and Fabian Johnson uh, when Jurgen had to bring Johnson off. And then Jurgen said that Johnson wasn't committed. Then Johnson goes to Germany. Then he has an injury, but he plays 90 minutes this weekend and a start. 
Um, the whole thing is a little bit strange, but but I'll say one thing. I, I you you got two you you have two situations, Travis. You have one where Jurgen wants one hundred percent, hundred and ten percent out of his players. I get that, but on the other hand, I mean, is Jurgen Klinsmann in the right here to be publicly bashing players, especially a guy like Johnson? Which I mean, look, he didn't have the best game, but he's still one of the better players on the team. I mean, Jurgen should not be doing this publicly, calling out players like that. No, okay, let's start with this. I th- I feel like we addressed this. In the last show, as far as Klinsman publicly putting this out there, right? And as and and I'm pretty sure we said I'm pretty sure we touched on that. And if we didn't, then I'll just I might it might have been another show because I've uh, I've done I've done some other shows. But I will say this: should he have publicly put it out there? Uh, the, you know the fact that the, you know they had a falling out and he kind of called him out on, on on coming out of that game. I don't think he should have made gone public with it. But I have absolutely no problem. With the fact that he was upset about it, and I know some people, particularly people who are really, really determined to find a way to, for Klinsman to get fired, are being a little clouded on this. Because I'm sorry, folks. There is no justification for him, Fabian Johnson, to ask out of that game. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear this whole thing about, oh, well, hey, you know what? If he feels like he might get hurt, then he then he's totally right to come out. Listen, you and your you and your ten other teammates are on that field in that huge game in front of a hundred ninety three thousand in in the biggest rivalry game there is in the biggest game in the of the year since the World Cup, the biggest game since the World Cup. You cannot come out of that match unless you are injured, period. If you come out of that match, that means you are not committed, period. There's no excuses. I don't want to hear, oh, I felt something. Oh, maybe, some, you know, I felt tight in it. No. You don't – there weren't other players who were injured? You got to be kidding me. There were – like, look, we saw – we watched that game. There were guys who could barely move, but they stayed out there because they had to. And and Fabian Johnson felt something, so he comes out with nine minutes to go in the game. Are you kidding me? Like I'm sorry, I don't. I, like no one's gonna change your mind. This, I, 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 like it's it's just crazy. And you know what? It's not just me being upset about it. It's not just your inclusion upset about it. Fabian Johnson's teammates are not happy with him. And this is I, I've heard this from my sources in the U.S. national team. It's not it's not a good look because those are the games where you have to stand up and be accounted for. Those are the kind of moments. Where you show what you're about, and you know what he showed what he was about. He was she showed he was about caring more about being afraid of getting hurt than about committing to his teammates in the most important most important moments. And he and he 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 backed out. He backed out. And for him to go to back to Germany, and then for Moche and I look, we all know Moche Gladbach, his club team. Of course, they're going to defend him. Of course, of course, they're going to say, oh. Wait, no, he really does have an injury. We have to treat. I thought it was I thought it was hilarious. Jurgen Klinsmann, the face that he made when he was asked about this before the Costa Rica game, and he pretty much with a smile on his face, and he's like, Well, we'll see. We'll see if he plays this weekend, what the real story is. And not only did Fabian Johnson play, he played 90 minutes. They I mean, here's my thing, right? Now, if you're gonna go to the trouble, right? If you're Moshe Glabach and you're gonna go to the trouble of putting out a statement about how you're treating Fabian Johnson for an injury. And if you're going to have your head coach, your interim manager, come out and, and defend Fabian Johnson to no end about how, oh, you know, he was totally right to come out of the game, blah, 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 blah. If you're going to do all that, why do you have – and they, why have him play 90 minutes in a game they won by blowout? That, for me, I thought was laughable. It's like that is just kind of like thumbing your nose at Jurgen Klinsmann right there because you know what? You could have taken them out in the 65th minute, and and it was a blowout. They were blowing them away. Uh, I, I think it was Eintracht Frankfurt. They they blew out. 
you're winning by a blowout. At least try to 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 you know put keep the charade going. Take Fabian Johnson out in the 60th minute, and then you can kind of go along with this charade that he was injured. But when he goes and plays 90 minutes, I don't want to hear. And, and again, there are some there are some people who are just losing. They've completely uh, all all rational impartiality on this topic because of the hatred for Klinsman has completely blinded some people. But the idea. That, that some people are sitting here saying, oh, well, maybe maybe he was just treated. Maybe the injury just healed. Maybe that's why he was able to go 90. Listen, these are highly tuned athletes. If they have an injury, a legitimate injury, they're not going to go 90 in a blowout. They're just not. That's ridiculous. I'm sorry, folks. It was complete crap. Moche Gladbach covering their players' ass. And now this looks really bad. This looks really bad. I know people want... To, to, to hammer Klinsman about anything they possibly can. And and you're well within your right. There's plenty of material there to hammer Klinsman over. This is not one of those things. He is in the right on this one. Because Fabian Johnson, I mean, I'm sorry. He's going to have, like, he is, lo- not, it, it's not about Klinsman and Fabian Johnson at this point for me. It's about Johnson and his teammates. Because I can guarantee you right now, a lot of his teammates are looking at him differently now. A lot of his teammates are saying, you know what? I can't count on this guy. This guy, be- this guy begged out. In the biggest of moments, I don't know how far I can uh, can I trust this guy anymore. And so he has a he's gonna have to if he cares and if he even cares if he cares he's gonna have to, a lot of work cut out for him to win back that trust. And for me, I don't know when he gets called back in. If I'm Klinsman, I don't call this guy back in uh, next year. You know what? You don't need Fabian Johnson for uh, for up until uh, uh, the Copa America, really. So for me if I'm Klinsman I don't call him in until you know the the spring and summer and only then if he comes and and pretty much says listen you know I was wrong he's going to have to do that and I don't care what anyone says I don't care I don't care how much you hate Jurgen Klinsman if you don't if you don't see that if you if you're so blinded that you don't see that he was right on this then I don't know what to tell you folks because he was absolutely in the right I don't want to hear this whole oh well you know what a, a athlete has to protect himself I don't want to that's crap it's crap I'm sorry it's crap because it's not, and it's not about what he what he owes to Klinsman. It's not even about what he owes to the fans. It's about what he owes to the other guys on the field with him in that battle, in that biggest of moments, in that biggest of games, biggest of atmospheres against the biggest rival. He backed out. He 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 begged out, and and it's going to take a long time, if ever, for him to live that down. Well, Tuesday wasn't a complete disaster for U.S. soccer as the U23 saved face defeated Canada um, for third place in the CONCACAF Olympic qualifying. U.S. chances are still alive. They will now play Colombia in a home-and-home series that will be in March later this year. But I, I got to say, Ivis, this is so interesting, the difference between the U23s and the U.S. men's national team. Think about this. U.S. men's national team loses the Gold Cup, goes against Mexico, and you're thinking disaster going in. U23 safe face, they defeat Canada and going into these home and home. I mean, you're starting to feel a little bit better. I mean, it's amazing how just different results can leave you with different emotions. But regardless, mm-hmm. U23s safe face, keeping their chances alive. I don't know how excited anyone's getting over that. I got to tell you, because you know what? You got to be Canada. You're supposed to be Canada. They still have a re- the, the real task still lies ahead of them. And I think if there's good news, it's the fact that it's not. The, the format that was originally reported, there were originally reports, um, and I don't even know where those started, but there orig- were originally reports that the playoff would be a one-game playoff in Brazil in March. And that always seemed a little odd, right? Always said, why, why are you going to have these two teams play in a playoff 
in March in Brazil. It's one thing if they played it like closer to the Olympic tournament, but in March. Uh, and I think the fact that now it's a home and home series, I think it's it, it's good. Uh, you know, the U.S. Has, has they have a chance, right? I mean, they, you know, the first legs in Colombia. They have to make sure they go there and 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 play well, not get blown out, uh, to set themselves up for the second leg at home. Uh, and and I, I'm very interested to see how Klinsman treats this game, how Andy Herzog treats this game. Um, it's going to be in the same window as as World Cup qualifying. So let that, and that's an important uh, note because uh, you you can't if there if there are guys that are eligible um, who are who are normally on a senior team like a DeAndre Yedlin, uh, John Brooks, you think he could be healthy by then. Uh, what does Klinsman do, right? I mean, for me, if it's me, like, Klinsman has his own thing to, to, to worry about here, but for my money, you should, you should, in this round of World Cup qualifying, uh, you should be able to, to, to play without a DeAndre Yedlin or a John Brooks. And I think both those guys, if they're healthy and fit and, and informed, like, I think they, you put them on that 23, U23 team and you help that team qualify. You get, you put the absolute best age eligible guys on that team. And give them the best chance to succeed because you you really want to get into that Olympic tournament. You really do. Um, I mean, that's just another good opportunity uh, for for especially now that you're, you're you know you're not gonna you're not gonna get that Confederations Cup uh, appearance. Uh, there, you you will have Copa America, so there's that. And I know people are like, oh well, do you want to have Copa America in the Olympics? Yes, you want that experience of playing the Olympics for your guys. So for me. We'll see what Klinsman and Herzog does. If Klinsman sends Yedlin, Brooks, uh, Rubio, Rubin, uh, Jordan Morris, you have to send Jordan. You, you got to send Jordan Morris. You should be able to. You should be able to handle your own World Cup qualifiers without those guys. So we'll see what he does. And staying on the youth teams in U.S. soccer, we, we talked about this at the very beginning of the show, Ivis. That was the U-17s who dropped the opening match at the U-17 World Cup uh, down in South America to Nigeria, 2-0. to zero. And it's, it's as we said earlier, it's with how bad everything's going for U.S. soccer. I mean, this loss has just compounded so much more. Um, but, I mean, these are, these are 15, 16, 17-year-old kids at the World Cup. I mean, Nigeria has been a powerhouse. For the U.S., I mean, it just wasn't a good result. They didn't look well. Hopefully, they can bounce back. Not going to be easy of Croatia, and then you're going to have to play host nation, um, Chile, which is not going to be easy. So for the U.S., I mean, they have the work cut off for the Mavis. They need to get a win in their next match. I got to say, it was pretty funny how after the U.S. lost to Mexico and after the Olympic qualifying situation, all the weight of the world got put on the U-17s. And there were definitely a lot of fans who who who, who kind of looked at that game and, and as their you know this is our last hope for some happiness uh, <laughs> this week and 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 they laid an egg man there's no doubt there's no and I don't want to I don't want to hear th- this whole oh you know it's their kids they they, they they you never know they can always be inconsistent like no I don't want to hear that and I and I know Nigeria they, they that age group they always do well in that age group it's not that they lost to Nigeria. It's how they lost. They just didn't look good at all. They didn't show any 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 kind of cohesiveness, uh, any of the qualities that you expect out of the team that's gotten a lot of hype. This team's got a lot of hype coming in. Uh, there's a lot of good prospects on this team. And we got to start with Richie Williams, man. Some of the lineup decisions that he made in this game definitely had my like people scratching their heads, had me scratching my heads. Uh, you know, he does he, in central defense. He doesn't start Danny Barbier, very highly rated center back who's been talked about a long time in this age group. He starts to trusty uh, the Philadelphia Union uh, Union product Academy product, and Trusty just gets butchered on both these goals. He just gets completely 
uh, toasted on, on both goals. And uh, so there's some questions there. Luca De La Torre, the Fulham uh, Academy product, who, again, I think next to Christian Pulisic, uh, Luca De La Torre has probably been uh, one of the absolute most most highly regarded pra- players in this group. And he didn't start in this game. You're kind of like, what is going on here? And then you have Tyler Adams, who's, uh, you know, uh, with the Red Bulls. Uh, Academy. He's the guy. He's the kid who scored the goal against Chelsea in the friendly. Uh, you look at all these guys who were, you know, they they were supposed to be some of the top guys in this group, and they did not start against Nigeria. Now we, I, I haven't seen the comments from Richie. I don't, Richie Williams. I don't know if, if he, you know, was looking ahead to the Croatia game or he wanted to balance out his lineups. But for me, there were some serious question marks about that lineup, about some of those some of those guys, and some of the players he chose to go. Richie Williams chose to go with just did not get the job done. I mean, Christian Pulisic, he he showed his quality. He is legit. He is the truth. He's got a bright future. He cannot do it alone, though. And and, and the rest of the team just look really flat. And uh, we'll see what they do now against Croatia. This is a, you know, it's a must-win, really. Because Chile, you don't want to have to play the host needing a, needing a win, right? So you nope. need to beat Croatia. If you beat Croatia, you tie Chile. You're in a pretty you, you you're in a pretty good shape there to get to the next round. Uh, but I don't know, man. We I, I want to see the lineup that he puts out for this next game because I, I'm still I'm still at a loss for some of the decisions that Mid- uh, Williams made. Well, if you want do want if you do want to watch the U17s, the game will be played um, later today. Being that you're listening to the show on Tuesday, not on Wednesday, um, at kicks off at four Eastern. Um, it's on Fox Sports Two or NBC Universe. So if you want to watch that game and pin all hopes of U.S. soccer on the 17 year old age group. <laughs> I know, I know. It's because yeah, I mean, let it, let us forget what the U twenties did at that World Cup. They did okay. I, I feel I feel like that under twenty World Cup is is uh, that overall performance has been hyped up a, a little more than it maybe deserved to be. So? They did well. I think so. I think they did well. But mm-hmm. I, I I just think by by comparison, it, it, it's got it's gotten a little more credit than they did well. I'm not saying they didn't, but I just think like with the Gold Cup the way it went and everything else, it's kind of like that. That the further we get away from it, the more it's like, oh my lord, the U20s were amazing. And it's no, like, no, they weren't amazing, but but they, they had were a good okay. run. They, they had a good were, run. Run is a, well, I guess yeah, that's a little, that's a little bad. That's what I'm saying. Uh, like, they, they, they they looked good. They, 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 they did well. They did well. So, B B solid B a solid. Yeah. B. Oh yeah, nowhere near an A. That, right. I'm not trying to say well, that. But we'll see. Let's see what the U17s do because I still. I still think there's a lot of talent on that team, and they just need to show, they need to show some chemistry. And here's the thing, right? You're, you're talking about a team that's built around a group that plays together, trains together at the Bradenton Academy, um, and that's the, that's another thing where Rich Williams needs to you know he needs to be able to incorporate these the players who are not part of that regular routine that are are in other places, whether it's you know how'd you write at the Cosmos to. Uh, Joshua Perez, who's out, who's been in Italy, Pulisic in Germany. Uh, there needs to be some chemistry here with this group, and and we didn't see any chemistry in that first game, and we'll see in the second game. And this this Croatia game is going to tell us a lot because if they if they lay an egg in this game, then it, then it's like what is going on, man? This team is nowhere near living up to expectations. Well, over on the U.S. women's national team front. Um, some great news is that Carly Lloyd, Megan Rapino, and Hope Solo are on the short list for the FIFA World Player of the Year. Jill Ellis is up for coach. And it's one thing to have a good year, Ivis. It's another thing to have a good year when you win the World Cup. I mean, come on, Carly Lloyd's hat trick in the final. You got to say she's the favorite for the FIFA World Player of the Year. Listen, I'm not going to 
like I'm an expert of women's soccer, but I, mean, I will on, ask. Buddy, come on. I, I mean, hat trick in the World Cup final. I mean, come on. She should. Right. I mean, it wasn't just that game. I mean, it was the entire knockout rounds. But where's Becky Sauerbrunn? Where, where, she was, I mean, nothing against Hope Solo, but Becky Sauerbrunn, best defender. Uh, I know your girl, I know you'll say like your girl, Julie Johnston, was pretty, de- pretty amazing. Dude, Julie Johnston well. did well. She wasn't amazing. She did. She, she did. She, look, Becky, look, look. Julie Johnson Becky, set herself up for being the leader of this team for future years. That was what her role was in this World Cup. Fine. Was. But Becky Sauerbrunn's best defender in the World Cup, and she's not on the list. I, th- I'm, I was a little surprised by that. I think she should have been on the list. Well, you have three U.S. players there. Look, Carly Lloyd, I mean, look, you can't, I feel like you can't. Hope Solo? Hope Solo? Hope, no, I, I just, look, yeah. I, I, that's what I'm saying, I get it, but like, come on, you score a hat trick in the World Cup final. I know there's other things you have to do throughout the year. She'll I mean, win, she'll on. win. Look, she'll win. I'm not saying she won't win. She's I just scoring think, other goals, I, I, too. I just it's think like Sauer should have been on the list. I just think, I just think she, that defense, I think Solo's on there because of the work her defense did, and I think you should have just put a defender on there. Mm-hmm. I don't think I don't think Solo should run. And, and look, this is not nothing against her. This isn't about you know her you know her off field issues. This is not about that. I just, if you look back at that World Cup, uh, you think Sauerbrunn and Julie Johnston for me stood out more, much more cheap than, than than Hope Solo did. That's just my opinion. Well, hey, as long as American wins it. Last time American won it was 2012 with Abby Wambach. Moving over to NESL, Ivis uh, season's still going on. But Raul with the Cosmos has announced that he will retire at the end of this season. Um, I mean, I was, what do you make of this? I mean, I know he's up there in age, but I mean, he, he still looks like he can play. No, no question. He can still play. Uh, he, he can still do some special things. But you know what? You get to a certain point in your career and you're like, you know what? I've done this now. Uh, it's time to hang it up. It's time to look at the next stage in life. I don't think anyone should be too surprised by it. Uh, I do think it, it, it will be a little disappointing if he ends up not even doing uh anything with the with the with the cosmos academy i know there was a lot of talk about that when he signed that he was signing on to to eventually become kind of the the, the director of the cosmos academy it was a little ambitious of uh to, to to expect him to kind of to stick around beyond his playing career maybe that was a little ambitious and maybe the hope there was that you know what if he falls in love with new york and wants to stay living in new york they can keep him around but uh, i mean at this point uh it doesn't really look like he's going to stick around for that long, and who knows? Maybe he's got a job at Real Madrid waiting for him. Uh, but he, I think it's, I think he's been a great signing. I think he's definitely helped bring attention to the Cosmos. He's played really well. He's been a good mentor for the younger players. I mean, I, I've heard nothing but great things about just the kind of teammate he is, and and, and just and that's what I, th- I think people. One one aspect of this, one aspect of the old, the older star players coming over, and what they mean to like what the value is in signing these guys and i know some people get caught up in the fact that oh they're past their best uh you know these salaries are so high is it really worth it but it's some of the stuff you can't quantify you can't quantify what it means to have uh young players play with raul next to raul learn from raul to be his teammate to to watch him be a professional because that stuff there's no you can't put a price tag on what that means and you could say the same thing when terry Henry was with the red bulls uh, or any of the star players that are around now that have come over to, to the U.S. to finish out their careers, we get all the retirement league talk, and that's all well and good, and it's good for a laugh, but there is value in these guys coming over. I mean, look at Didier Drogba, perfect example. I mean, not only is he playing amazingly well, but he, by all accounts, you hear what a great teammate he is and the impression that he's making on yeah. the players, on all the players, not just the younger players, veteran players. You saw the video yeah, of the him. the v- video with him with the youth players is awesome. The, yeah, the video of him with the Montreal Impact Academy 
players and them doing kind of, you know, he pulls them all into the first team locker room and has them do a dance off. It was great, man. I mean, we're t- this is Didier Drogba. The guy's a world superstar. He could he could just be driving back to his mansion or wherever. He's taking his time out. He sees the value in that. He's a class guy. He's a class professional. And a lot of these guys, you know what? To get to that point in their careers, to be great, you, you've, you've got to have some class to you. Uh, you know, a lot of the times, the, a lot of the times they, these guys have class and, and they and they share that with the younger players. And for me, I think Raul has done that, and I think it's been great. And now for for the Cosmos, this is going to be a tough offseason for them. Uh, Marco Senna's already he. It's already been known that he was going to step away. He's going to retire. Now you're losing Raul. That's your two big superstar guys. How do you fill those fill the void there? How, who do you go after next? I know they've also. Uh, on the on the younger player front, they've they've signed Haji Wright, they've signed Valella, uh, they, they've got a couple of U17 national team players, and I think that's a huge step in the process for the Cosmos. But let's see who they go to go after next because you kind of you've kind of set that bar so high now with these other these big names these big name players. You kind of you kind of need to keep it going. And this week, Champions League returns matches on Tuesday. And Wednesday, you have some big matchups. You have PSG taking on Real Madrid. That's on Wednesday. But on Tuesday, Bayern Munich, Arsenal. Arsenal, who has two losses already, they need to win in the worst way possible. They're at home. I mean, look, if Arsenal loses on Tuesday, Ivis, they're done. Champions League, is hopes are over for them. Yeah, it's not looking good for them. And they have to play Bayern twice now. They have to play them. Uh, usually, it's a, the, third, the third and fourth game opponents of the same team. So, uh, it's not looking good for them, but uh, I have to confess something here. My 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 two sons, now, they they've really gotten into soccer now. Uh, FIFA FIFA 16, FIFA 15 has totally kind of gotten them into the full swing of things. They they've started to play. Uh, I've got a couple of Euro snobs in the house here. I got to say, and that, and there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. And I, I use I use the term lovingly. I'm not I'm not one of these people who who like who like kills American soccer fans who prefer. European soccer. I got no problem with that. If you prefer European soccer, all more power to you. It's great. You can't be. No one can blame you for loving that that the, the higher level of soccer. And, and if you're not into MLS, that's your your prerogative. I have more of an issue with people who spend a lot of their time bashing MLS uh, just because just just because they have nothing better to do. It's like shut up already. You don't have to like MLS, but don't waste your time bashing it. I always use the analogy of uh, you know people who you know you might like whoever's like. I don't know, Garrett. You know who's like the best rock band? Who's is U two? I mean, I don't know. I'm not a rock guy, but it's rock like band? I don't. I don't, I, I don't know. U two? I, I know it's Rolling, not U two. It, I'll, I'll take like let's say you're like a Rolling Stones fan. You're or Bruce Springsteen. Let's say you're Bruce Springsteen. Who right? the hell is Bruce Springsteen? Anyway, people listening might know who he is. But I know, anyway, I know who he is. I'm, I'm kidding. He's the boss. It's like it's like being a Bruce Springsteen fan and wasting all your time talking about how. How other singers and other acts are not as good as Bruce Springsteen. No one cares, dude. Bruce Springsteen's amazing. You can like him all you want. But why do you bother wasting your time telling us about how not as good these other acts are? Like, why do it? And there are these Euro snobs that do that. And those are the real people. Like, when you, when anyone that uses Euro snob uh, negatively, it's those people that are the ones drawing that ire. It's not – and there's, a, there's so many fans. That's what the people don't realize. There's so many American soccer fans who are just into – international like foreign soccer non-american soccer and that's fine that's great the more the merrier but those people who who spend way too much time bashing on mls they need to get a life but back to the point off the tangent my my so my 12 year old and my eight year old big time european soccer guys like and i and i realized this the other day because i was kind of like my eight year old is like 
I think, honestly, Garrett, no offense, my eight-year-old knows more about European soccer than you do. And it's pretty crazy. I mean, he no, he can name. Thanks. I'm sorry to the, but hey, you know what? You're in, you you spend your time with American soccer. Yeah, I don't watch. I don't. It's I just don't have time. It's too much That's investment. I'm getting married. You know, uh, oh, kid, yeah. kid kids are on their so, way. I mean, I don't have time. Putting so much time into the marriage thing, <laughs> wedding, right? Tons, <laughs> tons. But uh, but I thought it was pretty funny, and, I, and so so I tested, I quizzed my eight year old uh, the other day, and I kind of asked him. I said, okay, name me three players on Borussia Dortmund, and with without really skipping a beat. He uh he rattled three players off, you know. He he's like a Buma Yang, uh, Marco Royce, uh, and I can't even remember who the third one. He, maybe Shinji Kagawa, right? So he he rattles off three guys, and then I'm like, wait a minute, does he even know MLS players? I'm like, uh, name a player on the Red Bulls, and then he's like, is Tim Cahill still there? And I'm like, no. And he's like, damn it. And then he's like, wait, Wright Phillips, and I'm like, which Wright Phillips? And he's like, uh, he had no idea. So. I, so this is what I'm going to do now. I'm going to have MLS uh, one one week a month. I'm going to have I'm going to make my kids play MLS teams on FIFA so they can learn the, and, and 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 they can start watching some more. They just don't. They just you know what FIFA 16 man. They, they, it, it's it's making Euro snobs out of all these kids, but it's great. Man. <laughs> it's great. I love the fact that my eight year old knows Florenzi on AS Roma. Like come on, like that's just I think that's great. Um, Did you cry? Yeah. Huh? Did you cry? Oh, I know. It's cool. You have a little it's tear. Cool. You're just like, oh, yes. It's cool, man. It's cool. FIFA, man. Educating the masses. FIFA it helps, man. FIFA does help, dude. But, yeah. And, and hey, my 12-year-old cannot wait for this PSG-Real Madrid match because uh, he loves Latani Ibrahimovic. He's, he's just he, – now, my 12-year-old – He's the man, dude. He name, like, the entire PSG roster, which is pretty cool. Um, so, but, yeah, we'll see, man. This is, they're, they're, these are some big games. These are big yeah, games. They are big games. Every, for, almost every game in Champions League is a big game. They're all very entertaining to watch. These are just, you know, the ones that stand out. Ivis, with that, it ends today's show. I know it's a little bit of a long one for everyone listening, but thank you for still listening. Um, anything else, Ivis, we need to go over before uh, before we close out? Yeah, that's it. You know, I mean, I think we, for those who haven't kind of noticed, we, we have kind of settled into a one-show-a-week routine. It's just gotten really tough for us to do the multiple shows. I mean, I think we always shoot for, multi- for two shows a week, but, uh, you know, Garrett's uh, busy planning his wedding, so it's uh, – <laughs> It's, it's gotten a lot tougher. Actually, you know, he's he's spending too much time crying himself to sleep, thinking about the wedding. So that's why you know we don't we don't get to do as many shows. It's, as we used to. Dude, it's it's three and a half months <laughs> over. <laughs> the clock is ticking, dude. It's catching up, Ivis. I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm ready, but it's like you know. I'm already looking at flight prices, man. I, I'm about to book that flight out to Phoenix, man. So uh, it'll be great. I'll, I'll book my flight. I'll book. I'll, I'll book my car. I'll book your getaway car for when you. Uh, <laughs> When you get good cold feet, it'll be good. Thanks, I appreciate that. I was. <laughs> it's coming, man. It's coming, man. Just I mean, be ready, I, I, dude. It's three and a half months, man. I mean, <laughs> when's the bachelor party? By the way, what's going on here? I'm not even in the wedding party. People should be just completely up and on. It's a week before we're gonna go up to uh, Colorado and go uh, and go snowboarding. Okay, I don't have to go to that. <laughs> That's I figured not, you wouldn't want to go snowboarding with us. It's not really my thing. Yeah, we're gonna go to Colorado for the weekend, and you know how. Come on, man! You got to go to Vegas. You gotta no, decide. that's not the group. I've done, dude. I did Vegas. That was called wakeboarding instructor at the Bahamas, where I was the only American on the island. That was my Vegas. I'm Vegas. Uh, all right, all right. I did. I've, dude. You okay? <laughs> this, is, <laughs> this is an I off the air conversation. You if you see me at a bar. <laughs> yeah. Not to get awkward. I'm sure it's the because I'm sure Garrett wants to go to Vegas. I'm. I also don't think he wants to deal with the drama if he went to Vegas. See, I don't like Vegas though. 
Really? No, because I grew up in Scottsdale, and when you come out, and not that I'm saying Scottsdale's Vegas, but <laughs> I mean, to me, it's, it, no, no, no. But I mean, like you know, the whole club scene and, and this and that. It's like I feel like I've I've experienced that already. I'm not like, I mean, the part of the I, U.S., do, but I'm pretty sure anyone who compares Vegas to Scottsdale needs to be slapped. Like, okay, all right, all the Arizona people with me, and all the Vegas people with me. If you're listening, feel free to comment about. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Vegas is for people from like you know Omaha, Nebraska. Like to them, like that's who that's Vegas so is for. Not, oh my lord, that's so not the case. People from New York, people from Miami, people from LA, people from LA drive to Vegas all the time. Like that's so not. Uh, anyway, anyway, you're, you're you know what you you are have you have completely gone old man mode. No, I'm the I, old, I don't like Vegas. I'm the old man. I I I, I maybe in age. I'm, I'm definitely the old man of this group. But you you are old man mentally. Vegas is in my. You know what, dude? I, I are you wearing like, a sweater? Are you wearing a cardigan? No, you wearing, no. You wearing a shawl? It's not cold enough yet to wear a cardigan. <laughs> I, Vegas is my. I don't like getting drunk anymore. I don't know. I just don't like being hungover. Uh-huh. Why you got it? Why does it have to be drunk though? Because I <laughs> can't just be tipsy. Because I because I can't do that. Because <laughs> because <Yeah. laughs> if you uh, this, <laughs> this is done. I can't even talk Garrett, anymore. Garrett is like Frank the Tank from a uh, from old school. That's See, that's it, the it, thing. Because I know Frank what happens. Can't. He's running down the street naked. Yeah. He can't control himself. Yeah, that's yeah, that's what happens when I get drunk. I, I do reckless things that I I, I mean I don't regret, but I, I'm getting married <laughs> in three months. Okay, all right. Hey, you know what? Fine. We don't have to go to Vegas, but you will come to MLS Cup, and we will we will have the SBI show uh, satellite version of the Garrett Cleverly bachelor party. At the SBI. Oh, uh, I'm going at, to MLS. At, I'll be at the MLS Cup. That that's that's already confirmed. Especially, it might. You know what? It could be in New York. It could be in Dallas. Wherever it is, wherever MLS Cup is, we we, we will have our little mini SBI show version of your bachelor. Great. There it is. Fantastic. All right. <laughs> I'm sure my fiance will be thrilled for that. I miss. Yeah. Listen, we've already established she doesn't listen to the show. If she listened to the show, you probably wouldn't be getting married anymore. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> yes. Here, here's the way I view it, Ivis. She was about to turn 30 years old. She had no prospects. I came along at the right time. <laughs> okay, she's she's turning 31 now. I mean, right? I mean, and then you I'm here. About- I'm easy. I pay rent. <laughs> yeah. Okay. You'll uh, listen, folks. He'll say that, but then he won't. Then he, but, but he doesn't want us to talk about a bachelor party on the show. Listen, man. Like I said, <laughs> if you listen to the show, you would not be getting married for statements just like that. <laughs> All right, Ivis. I'm gonna let you go. You have a you have a good rest. You of just time. called your future wife old. Well, whatever. You said she had no prospect. Wow, you're you're winning. Yeah, I'm I don't do- know who's having a worse week. You or your Klinsman at this point. <laughs> I'm doing just fine. Don't you worry. <laughs> yeah, you. Yeah, you're about to be. You're about to be Fabian Johnson to her. Your Klinsman. Oh yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, Ivis. I'm gonna let you go. You have a good rest of the week. And, uh, and I'll talk hopefully, to you later. Right? Hopefully, we'll do another. Show. Hopefully, yes. fingers crossed. Thursday night, you uh, you know you get back from Bible study in time, and we can do. <laughs> oh, I hate you. All right, <laughs> Ivis, have a good rest of the week. As always, everyone, thank you for listening. That is Ivis Garza. I am Jared Cleverly. This is the SBI Show.